Hello and welcome to the Stuff I Heard podcast. This is your host, Joshua Peak. Okay, so hey everybody, this is the Stuff I Heard podcast and I'm your host, Josh Peak, and I'm hanging out with my buddy Greg today and we're at Greg's house. Hi everybody. Hello. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're getting to see the, the whole house here with the uh, living room. Uh, we were going to do this last night, but we talked ourselves out of it somehow. I don't exactly know how, but we did. Um, maybe beer. We were well. I think we were concerned about walking in and out of the, out of the cooking area, cooking out back, and then having to do that while monitoring that and also hanging out. So, had a good time last night. Though, this is right? a this is an AM drinking podcast. If you're at home and you want to drink along, cheers. Yeah, that's right. Um, can't drink all day unless you start in the morning. So, ain't that the truth? We made some video last night of the. The grilling process of the reverse sear and the sausage grease iron skillet. Um, yeah, man. I actually made a video and published it last night before I went to sleep. So, you know, if you want to see that process, it's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> we uh, It's fun having the competition and also the the comparison ability to go, all right, that's cool. I, I kind of want to challenge you and, like, see if I can do something similar just to see how fun it is and, you know... It it's sort of like um, I don't know. It, it I guess my dad would say you know if he had a hot rod he'd be like oh that's really cool I want to go home and build one too you know what I mean oh yeah yeah or if you eat, eat yeah. something somebody cooked you go oh that's really great I want to see if I can do something a little better or, or different or you know sure come up with my own concoction or whatever well and you always got to weigh you know that process we did last night even though it makes really delicious steaks is pretty time consuming right, right. so you got to weigh the time. I'm not a cook who ever has cared about how long something takes to make, uh, and I kind of enjoy the process, but, you know, you certainly can get the same, or, you know, similar stuff with less time if you do different things, and so that's good to know Yeah. if you ever need to do it in less time. Well, you know, I, I told Dolores at a certain point that uh, I really wanted to learn some, learn how to do something really well. I wanted to learn to cook something that, you know, whenever you got together with family or friends, they're always like, hey, I really want you to cook this whatever. Right. And, you know, I thought, if I could just learn to do, like, one thing really well, yeah, then then I'll feel satisfied. You know, we would go home to visit her folks, and she had a, an aunt that was known for her macaroni and cheese, and I was like, you know, if we're, we're getting together, she's doing the macaroni and cheese. I want yeah. her. And then another, you know, one of her uh, siblings' uh, wives does pecan pie from scratch and it's like oh you know she should do the pecan pie we're going to definitely have her do that you know because it's always their one thing that you just you hope they bring to the table and it's like it's sort of the the good to great hedgehog method of learn to do one thing really well sure and do that thing really well but in the process of learning to do one thing really well you also learn how to do other things and you know i guess in the process of me watching you with the grill i was like oh I'm doing a lot of things with the grill I have, but to get to this next level, I really need to go ahead and just purchase a grill mm. that's a pellet grill and, and, and go down that path. And, you know, we talked a lot about companies and styles and, you know, what would be better to have. And, and you know, you obviously have a trigger, and I went with Gorilla Grills, um, both very similar. Yeah, you know, I've had people at work ask me and family members ask me, you know, oh, if you were to buy one again, what would you get? And I went... I'm happy with what I have, but honestly, I don't think it matters. Um, uh, I, I think that yeah. the only difference is, from what I can tell, is like 
your preference of if you want a smokestack or if you want the little slotted back on it. You know, some of them have those little slotted holes that you slide. And I was like, you know, for whatever reason, I thought I really want a smokestack because my thought process was is if if the barrel is smoking mm-hmm. and the smoke immediately leaves out of the back, then it's not circulating any. But if you force that smoke to barrel around and find its way to the smokestack, then maybe you're getting more of that circulation of that smoke flavor in the meat. And yeah, yeah, I, no, I think right. there's some legitimacy to that. But honestly, this is just bro science. I'm, I'm kind of this is the stuff I heard podcast. I'm just making this crap up. So if I'm wrong, <laughs> I'm sure someone will write me and be like, "You're an idiot." That's not how it works at all. And, and you're probably right. But I'm just no. Uh, I, I really think you're right, and it's pretty interesting the different brands and the different things they have. Like um, there's a pit boss that I saw at uh, I think it was Home Depot, and so. You know, one of the things, the way they work is they have the fire pot, and then there's usually a pretty heavy metal plate over the fire pot mm-hmm. that keeps that middle from just being searingly hot and then forces the heat out and makes more of a convection, right? So I saw a pit boss that actually had a that panel you could slide it back so that the, it, the direct part over the fire pot so that you could sear foods and stuff, or you could close it back and then make it do the mm-hmm. convection. My neighbor has one that's called Camp Chef. I mean, a bunch of people are making them. And the thing I like about his is is that you have to keep the fire pot clean from mm-hmm. all the ash or it won't light, right? Well, his has a little thing on the bottom of the fire pot you can slide, and then it dumps all the ash out, which I think would be really helpful. Yeah. And so, you know, there's just a bunch of different ones. They don't work the same way. I mean, his makes good food, and everyone I've ever seen makes good food, and there's so many companies making them, and the prices are, you know, really coming down. Yeah, well, and that's the good thing about competition is it does keep it for the consumer the price where you, you'd want to, you know, you, you start thinking more about, maybe I can't afford this because oh, sure. it used to be $1,000 and now I can get it for 500 and whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's a, that, some of the ones at Walmart are like $329 or something like that. That pit bus that was good. at Home Depot was like 430 maybe, and it was uh, it even had a bigger cook space than mine does. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Now, the newer, like... Premium ones are getting kind of out of control too. Like the new Traegers, man, they cost like seventeen hundred bucks. Like not all of them, but they have like these models that have Wi-Fi thermometers built into them. And whereas the ones that we normally see are barrel shaped, theirs has a uh, a top that rises more and actually three cook racks in there and triples your cook space. And I mean, they're just they're well. There's crazy. um in Augusta, they have a minor league baseball team there. And with the company I work for, we deliver food to places. And, and I was, as a key drop, delivering this place. And I walked around the corner from where we delivered just to kind of see what was around the, the side of the wall. And they had three of these giant industrial triggers <laughs> that, I mean, they're, they're as big as this couch. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're huge. Yeah. And I was like, good God, I couldn't imagine what those cost. But um, actually, they're not triggers. Those were Rectex. Rectex. Which they're there in Augusta, which right. would be make sense that yeah. they get the local brand. But it was... I remember them looking at them and thinking, it's almost the size of a vehicle, each one of these. And they had three of them out there. I was like, I can't imagine what you guys are cooking out here on this yeah, thing. Man, 180 pork butts and stuff. <sighs> just yeah. the each. Can you imagine that they probably have to get wood pellets on the pallet? Just, oh, yeah. Just, just sitting sure. a pallet, you know. Sure. I mean, golly. I'm, I'm buying them right now through uh, Amazon. Yeah. I'm getting them sent two, two bags at a time, the 20-pound bags. I'm like, just send me two at a time. Of course, my wife... 
she'll every once in a while she'll she'll see a box on the porch and she just thinks it's you know Christmas gifts or whatever and she's like oh look it's the thing I want she'll go to grab it she's like Jesus what's in this you know she's like I almost hurt my back pulling that thing up and I'm like sorry I ordered a pellet she goes well, I left it there you can go get it <laughs> I know my mailman's like I hate this guy <laughs> oh yeah no kidding well I have a I've tried quite a few different brands of pellets I do like Traeger pellets I think they smoke better and burn better than some of the other ones I had but um, I don't have a Costco here, but Costco sells the uh, a 33-pound bag of the competition blend. Uh, it's like a tri-blend of Traeger pellets for um, the same price that a 20-pound bag usually costs. Really? So Costco is, and uh, so this Costco's in Augusta. I make my poor mother-in-law mule them down here for me, but <laughs> she's nice enough to do that. But those are my favorite pellets. I think they're great, and that's a much better price than I think, you know, and you can sometimes just look at the pellets and tell that they're, you know. And I like the fact that you keep yours in a in a Tupperware thing. That, that makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. to, to transport and pour into the thing. Um, the hopper on mine can hold an entire twenty pound bag. Really? Uh, yeah. Nice. So you know, I wait till it gets low, and then I can just dump a whole bag in there. Mm. Um, what I've learned though from owning one over the last year is uh, moisture can sometimes get into the little holes and little cracks here and there and the dust from your pellets will cake on mm. between the the auger and the the hopper yeah it it, it i had a time where i was like the grill's not working at all why isn't it working <laughs> and like i had to go and, and problem solve it and just taking the thing apart i finally got to where the the mouth of that hopper is supposed to feed into the auger and it was completely caked oh, over clogged, yeah. just wow. completely clogged and i was like wow well, crap. So I had to like chisel it out and clean it out and vacuum it out. And I was like, this is a pain in the neck. But, you know, I, I, I kind of told myself, I said, okay, so I've used it for a year. And I've been pretty reckless with using it with any kind of pellet I can get my hands on. And I've bought stuff, you know, the Walmart cheap ones. And I've sure. bought the, you know, this brand and that brand, you know, dumping them in there. And, and there's times where I dump stuff and I can see just a ton of dust. And I'm like, it's bound to happen. I mean... Mm-hmm. So maybe I just need to make a point of once a year, all right, let's clean this thing out really good and, you know, take it apart. And, yeah. and I'm sure the average person using them is, you're going to see, like, a bunch of people post on Facebook and whatnot, this thing's a piece of crap, oh. it ain't working, oh, yeah. how do I fix this? And I thought, well, I need to make a video to show people how to fix this. So I made a YouTube video on it oh, as I was going idea. through the process. But also, yeah. most people aren't going to do the work. Mm. Like, it was an effort to do, and I thought... The majority of people are not going to do this. It's going to give them problems, and they're going to put the thing up for sale and say, "Here, anybody want a, anybody want a crappy trigger for you know fifty yeah, bucks? Right. Can get it." I'm telling you right now, if you're one of those people, and or if you know somebody like that, buy that thing, take it apart, clean it, and it's going to work great. You're going to be like, "I just got to steal." I mean, well, I think the uh, you know if you're if you're a member of uh, any of the Traeger or these pellet grill groups on Facebook, you know you have a like so you're a creative person and you enjoy new challenges right and you want to learn new things and um you're like you know me you know i met met you (laughs) once right but uh i think it's interesting just because a pellet grill is is a sort of a commitment in some ways and when you first get it it doesn't cook like other grills and you have to learn how to cook on it right i love how versatile it is and once you learn how to cook on it if you're a creative and adventurous person you certainly can do so many different things and try new things, but 
the people who get them and like within you know two weeks they're putting them they're like ah, I'm returning it I hate it and you're like you know because what they do is they're on this group or they join this group and they say oh I want to grill because they see all this good food people are making and they don't understand the time that went behind learning how to do that right and so because not everybody likes it that much and wants to put in that time they think that, that yeah and it, waste, it helps to know, watch but, some videos of people cooking sure to kind of get an idea of what you want to do um, before you make the the purchase, you know it is important to kind of do some research and go. Okay, if I'm going to cook this, most like I found at my house, most meals take about an hour for me turning it on to cooking. To okay, it's at temperature and we're going to cook it. You know, we're going because almost everything I cook, I cook at like three fifty. Because usually our daily routine is, you know, I'm home from work, getting a shower. I'll turn the grill on before I get in the shower. That way it can heat up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already got whatever meat I want to cook seasoned. Mm-hmm. from the day before mm-hmm. um and it sat in the fridge marinating um or you know just with the seasoning on it um <clears throat> tenderizing it if you will um but i'll come out of the shower you know and and look at the time and i'm trying to time it to when my wife gets out of the gym mm-hmm. which is usually around seven ish seven thirty ish something like that so depending upon her time frame and my time frame i'll either turn the temperature down from there or I'll just let it sit at 350, and and if I'm if I'm running late or whatever, she can just come home and take a shower, and then by then it'll be done. So, mm. you almost every time I cook is around 350, but it doesn't. It's not the standard. Like there's times where I, I'm it's like a Saturday. I'm like I want to slow smoke this. So I'll I'll crank it down to like 220, sure. Sure. and just let it slow smoke. And I'm and you know Doris will bug the crap out of me. When's this going to be done? And I'm like, there's no rush today. <laughs> like there's no, if you want to snack on something, go snack on some yeah, chips or something. Right. Like this will this I want to take some time with this, and she's like, all right. Well, there's so much variability with them because, like you say, your average cooks take you about an hour. Mm-hmm. Mine, mine always take me longer than that, and I probably cook at little temperatures than you do on a routine basis. But that's how I like to do it. Yeah. And the thing is, is I make good food, and you make good food. And at the end of the day, like all the complaints about them and the temperature fluctuations, this all the things people complain about. At the end of the day, you're making really good food, right? That's all my that temperature. Like, <laughs> like I've heard people say the biggest sin is opening the door. Okay, yeah. and that's true because immediately when you open the door, it lets the heat out. Sure. Um, one of the reasons I bought the grill I bought was when I was looking at the comparisons on YouTube. Um, the Griller grills are made in Michigan, where their their biggest concern is snow and ice and that kind uh, of stuff. Right. Yeah. So where the pot is on the bottom, they have a double wall insulation of steel. That way, it just helps radiate the heat inside and doesn't, you know, gives it a buffer between the outside temperature and the inside temperature. Sure. So, you know, to me, I thought, okay, it doesn't get that cold here, but just that alone tells me that it's going to use less pellets because there's less chance of the outside elements having any effect on what's on the inside. And yeah. I found that to be true. Mm-hmm. It, it really, mine, mine doesn't fluctuate much at all. Um, it's pretty steady all the time. And the the biggest improvements have been in the Bluetooth and the Wi-Fi uh, temperature gauges, so you can monitor it without opening the lid at all. Sure. You know, you were showing me on your your um, what is the name? Fireboard. The fireboard. Yeah, yeah the, with the ability to to look at six different temperatures of different things. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> just the fact that you could do that is amazing, but also that you could look at it on your phone and 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 at any time know what's going on on your grill without you having to open and close the door. I mean, because let's face it, the magic happens whenever you just leave it alone. (laughs) 
Well, and maybe one advantage of the like a new Traeger, the really expensive ones that have the Wi-Fi thermometers built in, is is that those connect to your phone or your Wi-Fi, and you can monitor them by your phone. But you can change the temperature of the grill on your phone and stuff too. I can't do that. I'm just monitoring the temperature of the food and right. ambient temperature. But if I'm a target, I can't change the grill temperature. But on those, you control the entire grill from your phone, which is pretty cool. It's probably why they cost seventeen hundred dollars. But uh, a couple of things too that are interesting, like if you, like a lot of the heat that I lose is from around the door. And so you can go on Amazon and you can buy these. Uh, it's just kind of like, I don't know exactly what kind of tape it is, but it's just like an insulating tape that you mm-hmm. can put along the door and, and it helps to stop But that. it's like thermal tape so it doesn't melt. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like 17 bucks. I mean, that's a thing you could do if you were having a lot of heat loss. And then uh, another thing people say about Traeger specifically, as far as I'm aware, they really never had grilled lights but Rectech that's in Augusta has grill lights in theirs, and they sell the lights. So basically, I bought one of their lights, and I put it in my trailer, you know. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of options out there. And if you really want to get crazy about it, there's all these groups. Like, there's groups of people who just, like, what do you do to your Traeger grill? And the things people do are nuts. Like, they weld hoppers that are, like, you know, six feet high that hold, like, <laughs> 80 yeah. bags of pellets. And they well, put them on trailers. all day and don't want to have to keep adding pellets. I'm like... Yeah. What are you cooking? Holy they, crap. Yeah, they put them on trailers. I mean, they just <laughs> do all this stuff with them. I mean, there's people who want to customize their things. And people do some really cool stuff with them. But, yeah. you know. But uh, Well, yeah, so, you know, I appreciate that that induction and in, in, uh, into a new world of cooking. Mm-hmm. And because of it, like, I've gotten to be able to do the one thing I wanted to do. And, and now I get requests for stuff, you know. Um, my wife... Her girlfriends are always asking, can you cook some salmon? Because apparently they can't get salmon that great anywhere. Mm. And I've started doing it with the cedar planks. Yes. Where you soak them in water and then you put the salmon on top. And, you know, I always rub the salmon down with extra olive oil and some seasoning. That Line and Kugel Summer Shandy uh, seasoning. we got to censor this part. What? We're rubbing down the salmon. I rub down the salmon. (laughs) Sometimes I slap it just to hear the sound. Makes me smile. But yeah, then you then cooking it, you know, I'll just go out and temp it, and then when it's, you know, fish is one of those things. It's at one forty five. It's done. Mm. You can cook it longer, but it's just going to get tougher the longer you cook it. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people pay attention to that kind of stuff. You know, we went to Alaska for a cruise, and people kept telling me, "Oh, you're not going to believe the salmon up there is so good." And I'm like, "Well, that makes sense. They catch it there. Yeah, right. If you get it freshly caught, it's supposed to be awesome." So. Sure. We actually went on a, a whale watching tour where part of the thing was we went to some Orca Point Lodge place. They had trigger grills outside, and I thought, oh, oh we're about to get down. Yeah, All right. that's right. <laughs> but they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. They put the they put the fish directly on the grill. They didn't season it. They didn't temp it. They just cooked it and eyeballed it and then pulled it off, and it was drying. And oh, I was like, what a waste. You didn't season it. You didn't put yeah, anything right. on it. You, you just overcooked it. <laughs> It's like you didn't even care. I mean, you went through the process of spending the money to buy a trigger and having it sent up here to Alaska to this Orca Point Lodge. You had to go through a lot to get it here. But then it was like you went, yeah, we're good enough. And I thought, well, what a disappointment. Yeah, they, uh, you know. and you know, in my opinion, you can cook anything you want to on the pellet grill, but they it shines the most in poultry and fish. Mm. And poultry, it's so ridiculously forgiving. It's crazy, right? Like Chicken. 
Yeah. One of those things that yeah. you think is like a like a, a commoner's meal. I heard this on uh, one of the episodes of Miss Maisel on what, like the first season. Yeah. He, he's eating dinner with his daughter, and she's going to tell him that she's going to be a comedian or something, and and he's he's going on and on about the chicken. He goes he goes when you eat at a nice restaurant. You want to order something simple because good restaurants do simple things really well. And he's mm-hmm. like, I want the chicken. And the chicken comes and he, he's marveling over the chicken. And I thought, he's right. Like Anthony Bourdain used to talk about, you know, when he would have uh, interviews with other um, chefs, he would ask them, what do you like to cook for, like, people you love and stuff like that? And, and all of them said, I really like to cook an omelet for somebody in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if and it's simple... But if I do it, like I put a little extra love to it, and it means more. And right. It, you know, yeah. it, it seems like something that everybody should be able to do. Right. But not everybody can do. Mm. And if I do it, I know I'm doing it with just a little bit extra something. Mm. And I thought, you know, there's a lot to that. And then you cook a chicken on a trigger, and you know, a pellet grill, and you're like, I didn't know chicken could taste no, this good. That's right. I didn't know that's chicken right. breast could yeah. actually be moist. I was like, <laughs> I'd always had chicken breasts that were extremely dry. You know, and for the first time, I'm like, this is really good. Yeah, I mean, holy, yeah. and not only that, but like, I can put it in the fridge and then later on take it out and it's still moist. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I, yeah. I had no idea that you could do that. But again, just using a thermometer, you know, 165, and you're like, all right, chicken yeah. done. And I mean, honestly, with my chicken on it, I don't even use a thermometer. And you can't, you can't, I'm not saying it right, but I'm just saying that it always seems to come off moist. Like, it's so forgiving for chicken. Like, overcooking chicken on it is so difficult. Like, you really have to work harder to make it right. bad than you do to make it good, right? I mean, even if you get it over temperature, <laughs> you're, still, uh, you're still okay. It's like, still yeah, moist. Still yeah, yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, chicken really shines on it. And fish are, you can make really nice fish. Cedar planks are great. I agree. Um, one thing that's interesting, you can look at, uh, you know, the Traeger website has tons and tons and tons and tons of recipes. And one of them that they had is, like, these candied salmon bites. And I made those one time, and they were out of control. Mm. Oh, those are great. Highly recommend giving those a look. I know you did, uh, <laughs> didn't you do one with, like, a nut thing on the trigger? Smoked nuts? Well, right. I have, uh, I cinnamon actually have and cinnamon butter and, and uh, brown sugar and stuff. Yeah. I have some of those in the other room yeah. that I smoked on the Trager. I want to do that. I think I want to do that this year. And there, you know what? I mean, it really makes, like, a nice gift. Like, if you have someone you need to give something and you make those... It's a great gift. People love them because they're so delicious, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like you can, if you have to do a gift and it's like a $10 max, you could get someone a gift card for something they probably don't want or just some piece of junk. But you give them some of those nuts, they're happy folks. Yeah. It's good stuff. Plus, then it gives you the added charm of being like, listen, for Christmas, I got you some smoked nuts. <laughs> you mean these nuts? <laughs> yeah. I always I always make eye contact so it takes pretty weird. And I, I linger a little too long. Yeah. And they're like, what? Why stop it? Stop like that guy, <laughs> like that Geico commercial where he doesn't know the guy's name. Yeah. He's like, just tell me, I want this to end. <laughs> just, just tell me, I want this to be over. Yeah, I love that commercial. Like, Thanks for the nuts. I really want this to end now. I really want this <laughs> yeah, to end. That's a terrible. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, today happens to be Saturday, uh, and I'm here for a reason. I'm here because. You are performing tonight mm. at Harvest Moon here in Albany. Yep. And uh, Albany, Georgia. Um, the band 95. You guys have been together now for a few years, haven't you? Yeah, probably coming up on two, yeah. if I had to guess. Yeah. yeah. I, and I saw you perform um, 
I want to say it was uh, last year around St. Patty's Day at Oglethorpe Lounge. Correct. And that was fun. Um, but you guys have had some changes in band members and uh, have had some time to kind of gel as a group and sure. gotten a little more comfortable with what you're doing. And I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, you know, you come up to, to Florence a good bit to, to visit me and to visit, well, because your mom's there too. That's kind of an added bonus. Sure. But, you know, I always thought, you know, I can, I'm sitting on the couch with Dolores and I'm like, I need to make a trip down and visit. I mean, he's always coming here. I need to make a trip there. And she's like, okay, we'll do it. Yeah. So it's just yeah. a matter of a phone call and being like, hey, are you available for something? <laughs> and then you had this coming up and I was like, oh, perfect. We got nothing going on that weekend. Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you're here. It's always good to see you. I enjoyed yeah. having you at the other show. So this will be good. This, is, um, this venue will probably be quite a bit more folks there. And uh, it's it's a really fun place to play. We bring a good crowd, and everybody seems to have a good time. So we should have a good show. All the good nineties, for sure. And you don't go on stage till ten o'clock, which is way past my bedtime. Hey, me too. <laughs> I'll be definitely taking a nap. We we've joked all day, all all weekend about the fact that we're going to both have to take a nap today to to be able to stay awake tonight. But uh, but yeah, at a certain point, you're just like, all right, time to rally. Let's do this. Yeah, we we play till at least one thirty. Sometimes too, if the crowd's good and we're having a good time and everything's wow. going well, so you know it's a it's a it's a good night. But the funny thing is, is that once I actually start singing, good lord, it it flies by like it's over before you even knew it started. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Dolores used to ask me. She said most nights you're in bed by you know nine o'clock, ten o'clock, and she's like, every now and then you go out and sing karaoke and you're awake at midnight and you're like, I can still go, and you're like. She's like, how do you find that energy? And I was like, when you're doing it, I guess it's adrenaline. Oh, it is. You're yeah. just like, I'm in it, I'm active, I'm doing something, rather than just sitting on the couch. It's like, I'm participating, I'm, you know. Well, it's something that's so much fun, right? Like, you're doing your everyday normal life stuff, and then every once in a while you get to do something really crazy. And yeah. It's weird since I'm, I guess the first time I was in a band, maybe I was 23, 24. And now that I'm older, I'm just going to say older. You can say older. <laughs> uh, this is the uh, stuff I heard podcasts. You could be 80. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, I hate it when my walker gets in the way of the microphone stand. That's just, yeah, yeah that's the only problems I'm having these days. The reverb. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's just so much different now, and my attitude towards it is so much different because, honestly, like, I approached it when I was younger. Like, karaoke, I wanted to sing what I wanted to sing, what I liked. It wasn't really about the crowd. It wasn't about that kind of stuff but these days I mean I'm singing what I like to sing and those kind of things but I try to want to get the crowd involved and I want the uh, bar where we play to do well I want the waiters and waitresses to make money mm-hmm. I'm always talking to the waiters and waitresses and they kind of fight to be there when we play because we bring so many people that they make a lot of money good for them that's what I want oh, right? yeah. yeah bartender same bartender always works our shows and she purposely works our shows because she says she makes it bunch of cash that's good that's what we want yeah want the bar to succeed they bring us back want the crowd to be happy you know i mean i give out koozies and stuff and i go out in the crowd and i talk to people and the reason i do it is because i want them to like our band and come see us right yeah so it's it's good it's really gone well and we live in an age where you know through the internet everybody's easily accessible so through Facebook, you can promote and say, hey, by the way, we're going to be here. Oh, People yeah. can share it. They're like, oh, it's that band that we checked out. You guys need to come out and check them out, too. And So, I mean, it's 
<clears throat> it is one of those things where you have to make yourself more more available to people in order to sort of bridge that gap. You know, that's one of the reasons that I've become such a fan of Burt Kreischer is he's so available to fans. You know, he started doing that too in bars where um, when he got started, David Tell was the guy he looked up to. And David mm-hmm. Tell used to have the uh, the Insomniacs thing yes, on TV. Uh, oh, yeah. And he would go out drinking all the time and... You know, he never wanted to leave the bar because he's like, I know as soon as I leave, they're going to be like, you shouldn't have left, man. A bunch of midgets just came in after you, and they were from the circus. One guy swallowed a horse. It was amazing. You know, just all kinds of crazy stuff. So he's like, I'm going to be up all night anyway. I might as well stay. Yeah. But he realized while doing comedy that if he if he kept the bar making money, then they would keep inviting him back to do comedy. And he was like, so that's my niche. That's what I'm going to do. Right. So he told Bert, he's like, you know, listen, you know, if you keep the bar making money, they're always going to invite you back and you'll be working. Exactly. Even if you're not that great, if you make them money, that's what they're looking oh, for. Listen, exactly. There's a, if you ever go anywhere and, well, I guess one of the things you can say is a lot of this is about who you know or if you have a crowd and, and you know, I mean, you can go places and see bands that really aren't that good that keep getting booked back somewhere but it's probably because they know a bunch of people who come see him play and the bar makes money and you don't have to be good. They'll keep booking you back. Yeah. I mean, I think our band is good, fortunately. <laughs> right. But with that being said, and I'm lucky too because I work here at the local hospital. It's the largest employer, about 3,900 people. I've been there forever and I know a ton of people. And so I'm lucky because I have a lot of people at the hospital that come to our shows and like 90s music and support what we're doing. And that's really made a big difference. I mean, I think... Overall, that's the thing that has made us be popular is just because it's fun. Every time I go, it's a bunch of people I know, right? Yeah. So it's good stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I think I try. you try to do some things to be a little bit unique um, if you can. And uh, so the, the comments that I get from people are, are generally that they like our koozies. I usually give out koozies. I don't sell them. I just give them out. They're not very expensive, and people like them a lot. And uh, the other thing is, is I, I have a cordless microphone, and I'll be in the middle of singing, and I go out in the crowd, and I start singing with people, and they, you know that kind of stuff. And I think if I get one comment from people about our band and why they like our band, that's what they like is that you know we we try to go out in the crowd and we try to get people involved. And I don't want you. I mean, yes, I want you to come to our show if you just want to sit there <laughs> and drink. I guess that's perfectly fine, but. I want you there enjoying yourself and singing along and having a good time with the music and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Maybe the easiest part is the 90s stuff, because right now it's just everyone loves 90s, right? I mean, the songs are so good. Yeah. And uh, at least in this town, I guess if you lived in Atlanta, there's probably 15 bands playing 90s, but we're the only ones really that are strictly doing just the good 90s stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's also working out. So it's just, we're in the right spot. we got the right people. It's hard to find people who can stay in a band for two years. We've had to, we've changed some members out, not really, and not anything where we kicked anyone out or whatever. It's just people moved or went in the service or did what they did. Um, but we've been very fortunate because most bands break up because you just can't get along or whatever. So two years is a pretty long time to stay in a band, especially oh, yeah. a successful one. So yeah, I mean, it it it'd be hard for two people who uh, are familiar to rent a car and drive across country. It's really hard for four people to get together and go, we're all going to play on the same page here and we're going to, we're going to entertain a crowd and we're going to meet them and we're going to do practice and really need you to work on this thing because you're, you're, you're struggling on this one part and, you know, constant, you know, you, you got to sort of challenge each other but also, like, find where your happy place is with each, you know, I, I don't like playing this song. Can we do this other one, you sure. know? 
And you kind of have to feel that out with what you were saying earlier of you kind of want to play what people want to hear. You don't want to play crap that just you like. Well, I mean, I think the thing you can say is, and, and it's a debate anywhere you are about bands, like there's people in bands writing original music that think any cover band is not a real band, and like there's people that think all this stuff and say all this stuff. And I think you, like, I think there's room for all of it, number one, right? I mean, there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to decide what you want to do. Like, you have a choice. You can play songs people know so that you get crowns. You can play original music that no one knows and probably play to eight people. Um, you can play covers, but you can do a bunch of songs no one knows or that people don't really like. Okay, great, you can play to eight people. I mean... I think the thing is, is you have to decide what you want. And there's people who decide that they want to do things to please themselves, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. If you want to write original music, probably not going to be great. Most of it isn't, but that's fine. If that's how you want to roll, do it. And But I think the disconnect is where you have some people who write original music and then take a cover band like us who brings a big crowd because I want to sing to a bunch of people. I have no interest in, I wouldn't be in the band if it was four people we were playing to. Why? It would be a waste of time. Right. For me, personally. Right. That's how I feel. Um, well, you also you also give a lot of energy and sort of have energy back and it sort of helps you increase your energy. Sure. Oh, yeah, I mean, because no, if you a... don't have that energy back, you're, you're, you might as well just be singing in you your stand house. stand there like a plant. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's 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 just me personally what I want. What I want is to play to crowds of people that know our songs, sing along, have a great time. That's that's my whole goal. Yeah. And our band's whole goal, um, which is, you know, bands break up too because people don't have common goals, so we're lucky to have common goals. We're lucky because everyone does their homework. Mm-hmm. When they come to practice, we don't have to tell people, have you done your homework, because everybody we have does. Um, so it's really nice. And then there's not anyone intolerable in the band Unless it's me, because you know they say <laughs> that if you think everything's fine, it's probably you. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, Was it one in three people are jerks? If it ain't the person to the left or right? Mm, yeah, that's you. right. It's your problem, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but it is, I mean, but the point being that you can do anything you want. What, what I think is dumb is you have people who choose to play songs no one knows or choose to do original songs and then complain on Facebook about, oh, why is everyone going to see all these cover bands, blah, 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 like jealous that we're getting the crowds. Well, we're getting the crowds because we're doing things to get the crowds, and right. we're making decisions to attract people, that's, and that's what we want. And I, I'm always yeah. in awe of the bands who, <clears throat> who can create their own thing. Like, sure. You know, I watched the, the Motley Crue mockumentary yes, yes. Uh, video, the movie. It was really good, but it was like there's large elements there of them going... I don't know, we're going to give it a shot. I mean, and luckily they just hit on something amazing at the right time with the right people that you I mean, know, had a sound, had a look, sure. knew what they wanted. But like watching their chemistry of, of how they talked about what they wanted the band to look like in picking out the lead singer. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to find a you know pretty boy, surfer, kid, and mm-hmm. hopefully he can sing. And, you know, they're making the, the songs, they're coming up with the lyrics and... They're just like, yeah, kid, can you sing these songs? I mean, mm-hmm. we want a front guy that's going to be, sure, you know, like 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 Led Zeppelin, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> can yeah. can you be Robert Palmer, you know, or, yeah, or, or no. whatever? And it's um, and Robert you know, Plant. I'm not saying that you can't write original music and that you couldn't get really popular. I think you yeah. can. I think the it's one, just a lot harder. Well, I think that you could talk to anyone who ever made it, and they would talk to you about at the beginning all of the time that they played to four people, right? I mean, right. I, I think that 
I think that that's sort of what it is to start out with, and then that would probably be super discouraging, and most people are going to give up. Well, um, I've also you know, but, it's uh, to me it's it's sort of like uh, you have to have the struggle. Oh yeah. In order to push yourself to find uh, your original sure. sound, or to push yourself to maybe get outside your comfort zone with with your playing ability or your lyrics or your whatever that hunger has to be there sure. in order for you to do it and if you're i mean if you're comfortable in life you, you know unless you just have like an inner desire to I want to create my own crap then why would you even need to to find that unless you have a, a genuine interest in wanting to make your own stuff from nothing well i mean it's like anything else it's like it's like, where's your stopping point as a person? Right. Like, uh, you could get a Traeger, right? And you could learn three cooking techniques and decide that's all you want to do. Yeah. And use those three cooking techniques. Or you can be like me, who have, you know, for the last six years, I've just honed, changed how I cook and done new recipes and just because I like it, right? Yeah. Um, and I think if you want to be an original artist, your music's probably going to suck at the beginning. I mean, and I think it's like you have to constantly learn how to evolve. I mean, we spend a lot of time with every song that we do in the band paying attention if the crowd's responding to it. And if they're not, we're taking it out, right? And I think as an original artist, you definitely would have to do that even more. Like, you'd have to play your song, and if everyone in place is ignoring you, then that's not a good song, right? And you have to change how well, you're writing a, music. It's also the weird part of yeah. the way the music industry's ran now. Oh, yeah. There's not a lot of money in being an independent artist unless you go completely independent and don't sign with a label. You may have more airtime on the radio, but you're not going to make as much money as if you just do it on your own independently. Well, so, historically, you know, the, the money in, in that is made from touring, right? Yeah. The record labels are getting <laughs> all the money. Well, now there's these money. contracts that are all-in contracts where they get everything. Everything. Yeah. So you get very little of anything. You know, there's a, a big thing right now with um, Taylor Swift where apparently somebody owns all of her original music from the beginning. Oh, that's right. And yep. she can't get it and she can't play it. And she's like, I, I want to get my catalog back. And you would think that as big a success as she is, she could just go buy her songs back from whoever supposedly owns it. But it's like, you know, why doesn't she have access to that? Well, because she signed a contract. She wanted to be the big star. Oh, man. I mean, and the contract says it doesn't belong to her anymore, even though she created it from nothing. Sure, sure. You know, Well, it's kind of the thing where they're, you know, it's like they're saying, you know, we control who gets to do this and mm -hmm. you know if you want the shot at it then we own everything and you know I mean crazy it's look what Prince did and I mean it, his was the same stuff like he went you know changed his name and went to that sign and did all that stuff and the reason he did it was because he didn't own any of his stuff and so you know it's um you know the Beatles dark. the Beatles always blew my mind the fact that they didn't own their their originals they didn't own their masters and at a certain point, they were for sale, and Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson bought, bought them. them. Yeah, I was that's like, right. what? Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't think it was until he died that he, they were able to buy them back. Paul McCartney bought them back at mm -hmm. some point, and like all this time, like all that music they created, they didn't have access to or rights to. And I was like, God, that's crazy. But you know, like when we were you know, when we were younger, um, Edwin McCain was one of those examples of somebody who was an independent artist who who you know played everywhere. Everybody knew who he was in the Charleston, Columbia area, and at a certain point, he decided that he wanted to kind of sell out for a good album or two. <laughs> yep. I mean, he he talks about that on different you know radio shows and podcasts and stuff. And he made a decision to um, to kind of follow the corporate ladder of what they wanted him to do. Um, 
just for you know two albums or whatever, so that he could I guess have that success or have that notoriety. But he's like, I'm only going to do this for this amount of time, and then I'm out. So he did the I'll Be and you know all those songs that like, became super popular. But they didn't want to put him in videos because he's just an old country boy <laughs> farmer guy who's really comfortable in overalls, and they wanted him to be MTV stylized. So yeah, right. A lot of his videos he's not even in because they were like, we don't want to show your face. <laughs> well, you know, one thing um, like in the being in the Albany area, an example is Philip Phillips. You know, he won right. American Idol, right? You don't see him anywhere anymore. The whole reason you don't see him anywhere anymore is because. He wasn't willing to, he wanted to do his music. They didn't want him to do his music. So he's mm -hmm. like, fine, I'm not going to play music. But unfortunately, he's contractually obligated to them. And any music he creates, they control it. Right. So his options are do it the way they want it or don't do it all. He's not doing it at all. Mm -hmm. That's sad, but just what it is, right? Yeah. Now, in comparison, also from this area, from Lee County, is Luke Bryan. Well, Luke Bryan, you know, he... He totally and completely went on board with whatever you want to do. The record company, dress me up, yeah, give me lyrics or something. Well, I will tell you that um, he does write a lot of his own music. And actually, there's a nurse practitioner I worked at, at the hospital. She moved recently, but her brother is his guitar player and co-writes a bunch of his songs. So they do get to do a lot of their own songs. But still, as far as image and touring and where he is and what he's doing and all of that stuff, he bought in totally. And the rewards of that are the rewards. He gets, right? But you got someone like Phil Phillips who's just like, nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> right. So, like, okay, but you can't make music. That's pretty bad. I saw him perform in Savannah. Um, Dolores was running in one of those uh, mm -hmm. 5K, 10K, half marathon things. Yeah. And he was the, one of the musical acts that they'd hired to play. It was the, the Savannah Rock and Roll Half Marathon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they had music for the event because it was a rock and roll half marathon. Sure. But, like, <clears throat> what was cool about that one was, like, as they're running the route through Savannah, you know how the, the median sometimes it has trees and whatnot? Yeah. Different bands would set up on different blocks. So as you're running, you come into contact with people who are playing music along oh, the way that's cool and they would cheer the, yeah. they would cheer the runners on and and but they were out jamming out and stuff and then a lot of the locals who live in the area they like the event too and they'll come outside and they'll make mimosas and put them outside anybody want a mimosa and people runners come by and they'll grab a mimosa real quick and keep running and i was like that's pretty cool it's pretty cool but i i saw philip phillips play there and i was like oh yeah that's the guy that was down from greg's yeah that's awesome you know yeah but, but that was the last time i ever saw or heard his name said yeah, and yeah. I don't know if shortly after that he was just like, "All right, I'm done." Yeah, he no, he he's not doing much anything. He wasn't down with, with that. Yeah, um, you know, it's too bad because I mean, you know, American Idol is what gives him the exposure to have the opportunity to do that. But at the same time, then they own you, <laughs> right? Own everything, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. So the lesson here, kids, is if you're out there signing contracts, have a lawyer look at it before you sign it. No matter how excited you are or mm. what you think you want, like have a heart-to-heart -heart with people who love you and are looking out for your best interests. Kind of talk you off the ledge a little bit. Maybe you'll find a happy medium or a place where you can at least live with your art and also be happy. Well, and I don't know if you need American Idol anymore just because no. you have these people who, who got famous through YouTube and stuff. Chance the Rapper. Yeah, made all of his own music, sang his music, made his own videos, and is winning awards now. And is you know, yeah, sure. record companies are lining up wanting to sign him, and he's like, "No, I think I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make my own label." Co like, yeah, Kobe Calais came from that. Yeah, um, that uh, that guy that sang that 
crazy, what's that, Old Town Road song or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he bought the the music for that off the internet for like 30 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So you, you, might, you might not even need to do that anymore. Yeah. So if you're good enough. When I was in the military, um, during the, I want to say it was probably 95, I was in the, between 95 and 96, there was a rap artist, uh, Master P, coming up, and he was making his own music and literally driving around with CDs in his trunk, selling CDs after a show. Yeah. And he made an empire of like a music industry. He's like a mogul now because he had the hustle of, I'm going to do it myself, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push myself, I'm going to promote myself, I'm going to go out every night, and I'm going to sell everything I can sell. And yeah. he didn't want to take anybody's money along the way because he knew he would be just beholden to whatever it is sure. they wanted to do with him sure. and he's like no I want to build my own empire and he did yeah and he brought us juvenile which is important yeah because juvenile cracks me up it's hilarious and right? the cash money motto yeah to drink till you throw up yeah <laughs> so <clears throat> it's funny that's funny yeah my mind went a different place I'm not going to talk about another time. Uh, but yeah so uh, let's talk a little bit about the fact that we just watched uh, Mandalorian, the yeah. uh, fourth episode. That uh, was five. The five? Yeah, the fifth watched, episode. Just watched five. Okay. And how we're, we're, we both like the idea of the Mandalorian, but we're both a little bored in the fact that it's slow. Yeah, this one was maybe a little bit better, but I do think that it's incredibly slow, and I yeah. like it, and I'm, I'm going to watch it, right? But I, I can't believe how slow it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to me how slow they made it. I like the... Uh, I do like the fact that it's it's content that we were, I think as fans, were hoping to see sure. with a bounty hunter type storyline. Yeah, um, sure. I think that they haven't gone into that enough. Uh, I, I like the ship that he has. I like the interaction with the Baby Yoda character, whatever that character's name is supposed to be. We have no idea. Yeah, right. What's weird is everybody keeps saying it's supposed to be like a 50-year-old but an infant. Yeah. And, and like it doesn't talk. And I'm like, if you're 50, at some point, shouldn't you have picked up a language by now? I mean, the the tertiary characters that we come into contact with on the screen, uh, a lot of times I'm questioning, why are they even on the screen? Why is this an interaction we have to have? You know, but like, yeah. it does serve the storyline, like especially with this episode, because he has to go off and do something, and this lady is in the scene, and she kind of watches after the little kid while he's gone. So, I mean, that's, okay, I can see why it's there, but... I jokingly said that she kind of looks like the uh, Strangers with Candy girl that, <laughs> that we watched when we were younger. Well, this, uh, this episode I thought was a, was a little bit better, a little more kept your attention more. I mean, I just think in the, most of the episodes there's these huge lags of, you're like, why is this yeah. here? Um, I mean, I, my opinion is is that without Baby Yoda, I'm not sure I would have, like, I think it's why it's gotten so popular because yeah. the show is just not that great. That I think. <laughs> well, and there's there's <laughs> obviously know. money in every episode. There is a fight scene where they're using lasers and sure. oh yeah, you know. So there's there's special effects going into it. There are stunt people involved. Um, during this episode, we see them riding speeders through the desert, which is kind of like a looks like a motorcycle, a hovering motorcycle, which is really cool. There's elements where they were they jumped over a dune, and I was like. Ooh, I want one. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the things from the the uh, Empire Strikes Back, the one with the Ewoks, yeah, right? Yeah, just yeah, like those, those speeders. Yeah, yeah, but these yeah. these are the front end is more elongated, like a like a motorcycle chopper. Yeah, the way it kind of angles down. 
And I was like, that's kind of neat. Uh, they took a little styling there and yeah, we're just kind of made it their own. Elon Musk to make those. I want one of those. I bet <laughs> Elon Musk probably is, in, is making one now. He's probably riding around on one in his own indoor moon. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, yeah. those things are pretty awesome. Yeah. but um, Well, speaking of Elon Musk, um, the truck has come out. We've seen what it looks like. Obviously, it's not in production just yet. Uh, I think the order right now is for two years. Like, you have to put in now if you want it. And, like, within the first week, they had 200,000 orders put in. That's a lot of That's orders. crazy. 200,000? Right. So when it first unveiled, I had the same reaction that a lot of people had. I thought, number one, I think it's ugly. <laughs> but number two, it's really cool. Like, it's the future. It's We've seen one up close. We've seen what the Teslas look like up close, and it's hard to deny the fact that what you're seeing there is obviously what they're going to show you for the show, but they're, when they come up with the final product, it's going to look a little cooler because they'll have more refined stuff for the interior, obviously, and the, the glass is supposed to be, you know, bulletproof will be better than holding up to that steel ball the guy threw against it and broke it. Um, but, like, I read about the steel that's used for the outside skeleton it's supposed to be a bulletproof metal, and because it's so thick, the gauge on it's so thick, they couldn't bend it because it kept breaking the machines that they were going to try to bend it with to make it look like more like a car, like a, you know, like modern vehicles look now. And they were like, if we just use straight lines, it alleviates the problems, and it sort of looks futuristic, which, you know, I think when I brought it up to you, you were like, yeah, it looks like something out of Blade Runner. And I was yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think so. If yeah. here we are in 2020, right around the corner, and why not have something that looks so futuristic? I mean, for a long time here, car manufacturers have just sort of held back on making that leap of, let's just make the crazy prototype and actually make it. Because a lot of times they'll do these, these prototypes that you see in magazines of, you know, here's a concept vehicle for so-and-so. And then when it finally comes out, it looks like every other car, just an egg-shaped thing. Well, but I mean, so just to, just for that, though, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do, I mean... They're trying to sell the cars, right? And so I think they probably do a bunch of focus groups and people just, the majority of people just tend to like what they know. And so you probably have all these focus groups just picking out the designs over and over again that are really similar. Like, it's probably just because of Tesla. Like, Tesla probably has the ability to to step out there more than the other car companies because yeah. the people that would be interested in a Tesla are probably the same people who would be like, oh, and I'm cool with something futuristic, right? Probably, um, yeah. So they have a, it, it's a good space for them, I think. Well, not only that, but like you and I talked about the fact when we went to see Teslas up close about, you know, God, I'd really like to have a Tesla in the future, but honestly, if I'm going to get one, I really want to wait for the truck mm. because I'm a truck guy. I like, I use a truck. I need a truck. I don't need one right now. My truck is perfectly fine. But in the future, if I were to buy one, I would tend more to go towards the truck than I would the car. Mm. I like sitting up higher. I like the utility of the back. Um, I do use the back, unlike my brother who has a cover on his. Shout out to Alex. Hey, buddy. Uh, I'm teasing him. <laughs> we had a little back and forth. He bought one of. He's got a, a a Dodge truck. I think it's a 17. Yeah. And he's got a one of those tonneau cover things over the top and on the back bed. And I'm like, that just means you're never going to use the back. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> you're not using yours. Your face is funny. You know, it's one of those kind of deals. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I teased them a little bit about it but you know I do want that ability because I am doing a lot of stuff you know with, with different projects and I need the back um, but again like it's one of those things where you go okay 
how much does an average person need the back of their vehicle as a truck? Mm. Like, you know, I watched the thing on Top uh, Top Gear, the guys that do it over in Britain. They have that new show on um, on Amazon, uh, uh, the Grand Tour, uh-huh. the three British right. guys. Yeah. They're hilarious, but they did an episode where they were talking about how Ford sells more F-150s than any other vehicle in the world. They literally sell like several thousand per minute. Huh. It's crazy. And... He said, so we decided to test out some, some of those vehicles here in England. And he goes, you know, the crazy part about England is not a lot of trucks. A lot of people drive cars because, you know, everything's tighter. There's tighter spaces, tighter parking. Right. You know, and he's like, we don't really need trucks for anything. And so they like went on a routine. They all purchased different trucks and kind of drove them around the city on like a regular routine thing. Of They tried to think of what would I use a truck for. And, like, one of the things they did was they were putting some goods in the back of their truck for something, and then a thief came along while they were shooting production, and they stole the stuff. And he goes, well, there's why we don't have it. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is it with Americans? They just leave the stuff alone in the back? Like, it's like, no, that's mine now. He goes, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's exactly what happens because we carry guns. And he goes, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so you get a crew, a crew cab, and you just yeah. lock the stuff in the back. Yeah, right? or a cover, yeah. like yeah. Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, buddy. I'm just picking. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, if I were going to buy one, like I really like the Model Three because because we talked about the simplicity of it and the way it was just mm. so seamless with everything is like there's no clutter. Right. It's just like yeah. God. This this is even though it's shaped like a normal car. When you get into it, you're like, oh, yeah. this is different. It's empty. This is so different. Like yeah. in front of you, there's no dash. There's no anything. There's no there's a vent. Yeah. And a shelf that you could put your phone up there or whatever. Uh, big old screen. Yeah. yeah. And then the just giant screen in the middle and you're like, this, this is everything, huh? Okay. And it's, 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 it is. I think the thing is, is you get in them and they they just feel really empty. Cause yeah. Because most cars really have you kind of, you They're know, smooshing all in all kinds of stuff. You. Yeah. yeah. And then that thing, man, it's just clean. Well, they don't need all of the cluddy, all the cluttered things for instruments. Like a speedometer, for example. Your normal speedometer has a cable and a, and a housing mechanism that holds it, and it has to stay at a certain tautness and go along a pathway to get to your wheel so that as your wheel turns, it picks it up. This one just goes by GPS, and it's digital. Yeah. And Sweet. it's like everything is connected through this iPad, this giant iPad-looking thing. And it's like everything is so seamless. And they keep doing updates to where your charging is faster and more efficient, and you're also making it so that the vehicles themselves get updates so that they last longer between charges. So, like, some weird way through through their ability to do software updates, they can make the cars more efficient as time goes on. Mm. And that's crazy. I mean, because most car companies are not going to do that. Like, if, if they have the ability to make things better, they're going to go, nah, we'll just make it on the new one, you buy the new one. Right. These guys are constantly updating their whole infrastructure of going, we're going to keep making these better. Like, if, sure, sure. we want you to not only be happy with this one, but want to buy another one if you ever decide to change. But, I mean... Even if you were to decide to change, what are you what are you upgrading to? Like, you know, are you looking for more amenities? Are you looking for an, a nicer looking exterior design? Because, like, all the ones I've seen made in the last you know five years or so really look futuristic. Really have mm-hmm. all of the capabilities that they sure. all have. They're all Bluetooth everything. They all have cameras everywhere. They all. Well, and I'm, I wonder too you know, about. Um, <laughs> I don't know their corporate stance on waste, right? Right. But, you know, I mean, Apple 
is the worst company in the world for waste. I mean, they, they just keep upgrading this stuff, and you buy new, and, like, when they decided to change the lightning cables, the matter of fact that they have their own cable at all that's not just a USB like everything else uses, the number of cables that went into landfills when they went to lightning cables was ridiculous, right? I mean, and I know it's about just making people buy more stuff and making more money. But well, but they would say that it's about changing the platform of how efficient it is. Well, sure. That theirs is more oh, efficient than the other. They're going to say something about it, yeah. right? But at the same time, if you had a company like Tesla who says, hey, you know, when you make these software upgrades, we're putting them to all their old cars, too. Yeah. Right. It's and long, somebody asked him if they had a plan for the old cars. Yeah. And he said that they're going to start having them as, as like robo taxis. Mm. Because they're automated, they can self drive. Right. He's like, We're gonna we're gonna outfit them so that you can just sit at your house and be like, I need a ride to so and so and you just tap a button and a car shows up, that's your ride. Sure. Hop in it and it takes you to where you need to go. Well, I mean, how many years is it until auto ownership is just not gonna exist? It might be foolish at a certain point. Well, right. I or mean, or for the yeah. extravagant. You know, oh, certainly. NBA yeah. players, the really and rich people, rappers, but, and <laughs> but, but if you if you look at what the cost is of owning a car, paying taxes on it, putting gas in it, maintaining it, you know, and they make it where they got these robo cars and where it's just not more expensive. They're, yeah, they're going to make you it know. efficient enough that you're going to want to really debate: Do I buy a Should car and go through all this crap? Pay car insurance, right? Right. That's I one mean, of the perks yeah. about you know people talk about living in New York City is they oh the cost of living is so expensive, but then you but then they go. Yeah, but I also don't have a car. I don't have a payment. I don't have gas. I don't have insurance to pay for that car. I don't have to, you know, there's no upkeep. There's none of that. I literally go down and get in the subway or I walk. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. That does seem more yeah, efficient. No, I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't think it'll be too many years. I mean, I don't know if it'll be my lifetime, but I mean, I just think that. Well, and it won't be everywhere. Like, yeah. obviously, the bigger cities, it'll be more available. First. If yeah. you live out in the country somewhere, it's, it'll be foolish for you to go that route because they're not going to be there. That's I true. mean, yeah. you sure. know, but bigger cities, I see them adopting pretty early, you know, places like Atlanta, like we were sure. talking about. Yeah. Sure. Um, Charlotte, obviously. Oh, um, all big cities. I mean, I think it, I think it'll just get to where you said, where it'll just be more economical to just call a car. Yeah. And I mean, like Uber, you know, even now with Uber, you can go in there and you can say, I want a car at this specific time. And someone will be there to pick you up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, you know. Um, so it should be pretty interesting. I'm just waiting for the fast food wars, like in Demolition Man. You know, Taco Bell won. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where the future's headed. It's all about the fourth Self-driving meal. cars. <laughs> and only one fast food restaurant. And then Wesley Snipes everywhere. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you remember when they went through the lawsuit about their quality of, of, of meat. They were like, now using 100% meat. I was going to say, yeah, they weren't even allowed to call it meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they legally had to change what they put in it to call it meat. And Jacob, I remember Jacob was at the dinner table one night when, when we were talking about it, and he goes, yeah, but they're spelling it M-E-A-T, or M-E-E-T. And yeah, I was that's like, right. Yeah, that's right. I was like, that's funny. That that right. <laughs> he goes, it's all about the subtle differences. You gotta. <laughs> that's true. He's like... You know, we we now have beef. He goes, but they're spelling it wrong. It's, it's like the, you're arguing. It's yeah, not the like meat. B B I F. Yeah. <laughs> you may not notice it right off the bat, but it's okay. It's right. Yeah. One hundred percent ground beef. Beef. <laughs> As Snoop calls it. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, you feel good. I am. I'm doing good. You got anything to talk about? You want to promote? 
Um, well, we did pretty good. You promoted the band. That was nice. I yeah. appreciate that. We got, we got about an hour in. That's good. I like it. If you're ever for some reason in Albany, which I can't imagine why, you would be in Albany. You should come party with us. Check out the time. Facebook page. Yeah. 95. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different spelling, right? Well, it's 95 Band Albany is the Facebook page. But you got to spell out 90? You do have to spell out the word 90 and the number 5. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Albany Band. Yeah. I think I did that the wrong way on Instagram when I tried to promote it. I think I put in 90 and I spelled 5. That was wrong. Yeah, it's... Um, My bad. I mean, you, you know, it, it, you like the 90s, every, you know, and then uh, our goal is for everybody to have a good time. We always have a good time. My goal is for you to have a uh, Instagram page or a, some other promotional page where you can constantly update information so they can find it easily. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get yeah. there. I'll get there. I, have a, I have a guru here, a social media guru, and I have not used the services appropriately. I need to do that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I appreciate you having me back on the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, maybe, maybe we'll do another one. Who knows? We can do whatever. It's always tomorrow. Yeah, we can do whatever. Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for hanging out. And um, you want to say cue the cow? Cue the cow? Cue the cow! Oh.